One of the most important ways to retain customers is to reach them where they are. And honestly, quite a few of them are on Nextdoor. Did you know that nearly one in three U.S. households are on Nextdoor? Not only that, it is quite a unique audience. Of people who are signing into Nextdoor at least once a month, 76% aren't visiting Snapchat monthly and 69% aren't visiting TikTok monthly. Nextdoor just recently launched a self-serve beta program. They're currently accepting new advertisers. Getting started is easy and the ads UI is really similar to that of Facebook or TikTok. Plus, they have some really great targeting like home ownership and high affinity audiences. If you're listening to this podcast, you're eligible for $300 in ad credit with no spend necessary. All you have to do is go to nextdoor.com slash Matt, fill out the getting started form. If you're qualified, they'll schedule a call with you, mention my name, or you came from this podcast, and you'll get that $300 automatically added to your account. Once again, that's nextdoor.com slash Matt. Hello and welcome back to e-commerce uncovered. I'm your host Matt Lady. We're back at it again with another episode featuring email content and strategy specialist Summer and she's going to talk to us all about email and retention and iOS 14, iOS 15 really on more on the email side, some of the effects, how to work with a strategist, what founders should be doing and more. Summer, welcome to the show. How the hell are you doing? Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Yes. Awesome. Love to hear that on this lovely where I'm at Monday morning. So uh, we're a few weeks out from Black Friday and at the time of this recording. For Black Friday, what is one of what is your like major you must do this for email for any early stage founder zero to two million? What's your one thing you must try this, must do this for Black Friday? Oh, prepare. Like, you cannot wake up on November 1st saying, we want to do a Black Friday. Please don't. Um, You will be much better off sending off your regular emails. Just up the cadence. Um, Maybe think up what, how, and just think about how can you stand out. If this is your last, um... If you're, you know, you're just waking up, if you're just deciding that you need to do a Black Friday, like I feel like one of the things that I always talk to brands about is before you decide on a discount, you need to figure out how much money you'll actually make after the discount. What good is sales in thousands and thousands of dollars if your profit margin is minuscule? Right. And so and and I learned this the hard way, to be honest, I did not think about these things. It wasn't until I worked on a project with a brand that had 25,000 customers, but hadn't sent a single email to them in two years. Right. So people were just buying. They were getting those Shopify transactional emails and then nothing from the brand. And this brand just came to me and said, we want to do a Black Friday thing. And they came to me in August. Right. So we had time and I and I was very, very uh, confident and also arrogant in thinking that I could make a difference. Um, and I, in, in my head, I may came up with this entire strategy where we were going to engage their list. We were going to uh, create a wait list. We were going to then offer more perks to the wait list and then launch the Black Friday campaign when the time came to the rest of the list, right? And, and the wait list would get, get early access, all of that. But that brand, even though they had 25,000 people on their list, they barely made even. And I thank God every single day they broke even because otherwise it's, I failed. 
Um, and so ever since that experience, I always ask brands, if your list is active, do you have an engaged segment? If you're thinking discounts, what is your profit margin? And do you even need to do a Black Friday sale? Um, and so if it's too late, I always tell them either don't or use last year's emails because there's no time. Last year's emails are already there in your ESP. You will at the most need to maybe update the cadence, change your offer a little bit, use the same copy, use the same emails. If you don't have the time, don't even update them. Send them out just like that and you'll end up making some money, right? But at least like at this point, at this stage, my whole thing is safeguarding your sanity as a founder. Um, and it's really like I all of this when I'm talking to my clients about, I can see their hackles getting up, right? They're like, what are what are you saying? And I'm like, and then I have to sit down and there's an education element to it a little bit. And then there's a counseling element to it a little bit. But at the end of the day, they do understand um, because marketers aren't magicians right? We don't have um, magic wands or anything like that. We need time to engage your list. We need time to um, do things right. And so if there's no time, then we need to come up with other ways. I love how you started out with saying plan, and then you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa let's back up. Let's, let's... Is your offer actually going to make you money? That's the, that is so key. I love it. Um, big fan of just knowing your numbers, uh, cause, oh yeah, it's simple. Just 35% off everything and let's just make a bunch of money. And it's, you see the numbers go up, but you didn't do the math ahead of time and you, you may have lost exactly. money. Um, yes. Uh, more than, more than once I've run into that with clients and consulting and whatnot over the years as well. So totally get it. Uh, using last year's emails is smart. I doubt people are going to remember, and that's a huge time-saving <laughs> hack. So uh, that's a huge one I just wanted to like reiterate again and make sure people know. If you're out of time, if you didn't plan, if you just started a brand uh, and just woke up on, like, if you just have been deep in other stuff, use last year's emails. Got it. Okay. So now let's take a step back out of the current time, 30 days from Black Friday. Let's take a step back a little bit. As a founder, my time is limited and stretched. My knowledge is, is broadening, but is not super deep in every area. What would you want to tell someone, a founder, who's not, whose background is not in marketing, it's the product-led, yeah. right? What would you want to tell a founder in the early days? Like in the first 90 days, they start their brand. Like, what do you think you could tell them about email, about retention, about copy that would make the most impact for them if they followed it? Like, what would you want them to know? Okay. First 90 days, I would say pick one thing and focus on that. Um, because as founders, it is so easy to, you know, the shiny thing syndrome. It's so easy to focus on, oh, we want to do Facebook ads. We want to do Instagram. We want to do TikTok. We want to do email. We, and and it's, it's, all of it is great. But if you try to do everything at once, you're going to fail at all of them. So pick one, right? 
you want to try your hand at Facebook ads, all right, give yourself three months to do it, implement it, see if it converts. If it doesn't, lesson learned, move on to the next thing. But I will say this, um, and I'm totally biased. I always tell brands I am biased because I'm an email person. Start slowly, start building out your email ecosystem right? It's not something that you can implement in a single month or two months or even three months, right? Start with your life cycle emails, your welcome sequence, your abandoned cart, your post purchase, the first three need to go live so that when somebody signs up on your website or buys from you, they get some kind of an experience. Um, and then map out the rest of your email journey, which is literally a high level flowchart of um, what happens when somebody comes on your website to what happens next, right? And so I create these email journeys for brands all the time and it's extremely high level and it feels super basic when you look at it, but it starts with asking questions, right? So the first question I ask is, what happens when somebody gets on your website, right? What offer do they see? And the answer is usually 20% off and that's all in the pop-up, all of that. All right, what happens when they sign up, right? They get the welcome email. What are you saying in that welcome email? You need to be repeating whatever promise you made on that in that pop-up, in that welcome email so that there's a connection there. Because if there's a disconnect, then people, people have short-term memories. They are going to forget. So you need to call back on whatever offer you made in your welcome email and then take it from there, right? So you've thought about all the messaging, and the continuation of that, but then you need to ask yourself, okay, what happens when this subscriber does what we want them to do, which is ideally buy? And at that point, what emails are you going to send them next, right? If they buy, A, they get taken out of the welcome sequence, B, they start getting the post-purchase emails, right? But what happens if they don't buy, right? Everybody plans for the conversions, nobody plans for the non-conversions, which, don't quote me on this, I have no data, but at least 80% of your people are not doing what you want them to do. And so have a plan for that. What happens when, you know, they don't buy? What emails are you going to send them next? And the answer is usually weekly emails. Or if you did not make an offer in the welcome sequence, which is something I highly, highly recommend, find another way to provide value. Um, but if, if there's no discount, then after the welcome sequence, if they haven't bought, then you send them the discount offer because yes, you don't, you do want them as customers, but just don't make the discount the first thing they see from you. Sorry, I'm jumping around from topic to topic, but this is like, so this is an ecosystem, right? And I build it out, offer, email, what happens next? What happens when they don't do what we want them to do? All of this, and I build it out. It's a simple flow chart and it allows brands to see what they need to focus on at a time, right? And so I divide my, and I focus on lifecycle emails mostly, right? So it allows us to see which lifecycle emails are super important. Once they're done, then we focus on the rest and then we focus on the other ones, right? Once that thing is over, then we start thinking about how to optimize them. But if I were doing the whole thing, I would still say lifecycle emails first, weekly emails next, promotional campaigns third prioritize in that order promotional campaigns third you mean i shouldn't just blast out a 25 percent off discount code every week what nope <laughs> wow shocking no but seriously i'm a little sarcastic there but uh that's not that's not providing value to them and as your customers they're giving you their email 
and saying, hey, I agree to hear from you. If they only hear from you about a sale, buy our product, buy our shit, you're just, they're just another person on the list. Um, so what are, what are some ways, what are, why promotional last and what do you, would you put in your weekly newsletter? That number two priority, what, what kind of content, what goes in there? What topics, um, can founders start doing on that weekly email? Oh my God. So much, so much. All right. Think about all of these, all the things that are bothering you, all the reasons that you started your brand, all the support tickets you're getting, all the comments you're getting on your socials, everything. Turn it into an email, right? You got an amazing comment on Instagram. That is social proof. Put it in an email, send it out. Um, turn it into a story, right? It's copy, have fun with copy. And one of the things I always say is that um, e email, when somebody signs up for an e-commerce brand's emails, they're literally telling you, I want to hear from you, sell to me. But the way you sell is important, right? And so there's no rule saying that even if it's a content email, you can feature your product. Of course you can. Use your content in a way where your product is the natural solution to whatever you're talking about, right? It's the natural segue into it. So let's say you're a skincare brand and you're talking about dry skin and you're selling hyaluronic acid, all right? Um, I'm working with a skincare brand, so that's the most recent example in my head, right? So you talk about dry skin and then you position your product as the solution. So everybody with dry skin is naturally going to check it out. Even if they don't buy it, they are going to click through. And then the product copy is gonna do its job. The social proof is going to do its job. All of those things are going to come together to get you that sale. So that's, I think, half of the question that I answered. The other half was, what do you email about? All right, so think about problems, think about content, think about your brand story, think about, um, or everything that's going on even in your business, right? Because it, it, people think that no, uh, subscribers or customers don't want to hear about it. Why wouldn't they? They're invested in your brand. They want to know what's going on. So if you are a founder, get personal with them. Um, I have a client, past client. I, uh, they're a hijab brand, which is the headscarf that I wear, right? They're New York based. And like everybody else, they're having supply chain issues. I've long been a fan of their email marketing way before they hired me. They were doing everything right. They were on my dream client list and I couldn't find gaps in their emails, right? And when they reached out to me, it was because they had a problem that I couldn't see as an outsider. Anyway, so they sent out an email and I would call it an email blast because I know they sent it to every single subscriber. That's it's one of the only times I would say blast it out. But they talked about the supply chain issues they're having. They talked about why ev almost every product on their website is out of stock. They talked about even how the monsoon season in India, which is where they source their cotton from, is um, affecting the dye and the drying time and all of that, right? And, and your subscribers and your customers will empathize. Um, and so the, it was an email from a founder, super personalized, super transparent, and it just did so well. So don't hesitate to talk about that stuff as well. So when things aren't working out, let your customers know. Um, similarly, ingredients, products, problems it solves, social proof, content. If you're putting out blog posts or even Instagram posts, you're putting in time to create um, status updates or um, all of that, right? Turn them into, into emails. People are not stalking you every single 
like on every single channel. So turn your Instagram post into an email, um, highlight one single product, and then take it from there. So much goodness in all that. I'm going to start to unravel it a little bit. I absolutely yeah. am so excited to ask you more about the founder email with that out of stock, out of this, the monsoon problems, that. One thing I think we tend to forget is we try to act like Nike. We try to act like Apple. And we're not. You're a early brand who's made less than a million or two million dollars, and they make that in an hour. <laughs> and you, you just yeah. cannot play the same game as them. So how, uh, how was it, you said it was received very well and it performed well. My question, I was like, how did it perform well if all the products were out of stock on the website. So can you explain what you meant by performed well and did well? This is where brand equity comes into play, I feel, right? So yes, the products are out of stock, but you're telling people about it and you're letting them know that as soon as they're back in stock, we will email you about it, right? And I don't know if this brand did this, but as a, as a smaller brand, what you can do is you can put a back in stock alerts on every single product and you can guide them like, hey, if you're waiting for a specific print, um, sign up for our back in stock alerts, right? So that as soon as we stock them, you get an email and you can order ASAP. And so I feel like it's just one of those things where you can do that if you want to. This particular brand drops new prints every Tuesday, right? So for them, it probably didn't make sense to have back in stock alerts because it's a new print every single time and they're limited editions. So there is an answer to everything, I feel. And it's usually super simple. There's no reason to complicate it. Um, think about email experience first. Think about putting your customer first. Think about communicating rather than marketing and you will land on your feet at least 90% of the time. And brand equity is um, something that is sort of thrown away and not in the forefront of many people in the early days, especially, I think they're just so concerned about that revenue mark going up in Shopify and seeing the, hearing the cha-ching on the, on the mobile app and all that. Um, that's the short term. You need money. You need profit to survive. That's the whole point of a business. Yeah. Not discounting that. Absolutely. Not discounting that at all. But brand equity, just letting them know, hey, we're a small brand. We're not, we can't just pull in resources from all over the world and get you this uh, product right away. So just leaning into that more, I think is, is crucial. Yeah. Um, right. So the way that you can compete with brands like Nike is by providing a personalized experience and email is the perfect way to do that. So personal experience in email uh, it's beyond just, hey, first name, like what, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like it's, it's beyond that. Uh, so, some people yeah. stop there and they don't know more or they just don't have the time or they don't see the impact of it. But what are some additional actual personal things, personalizations that we can do that aren't super, super tech complicated? Oh, behavioral emails, right? So, and this is why I always say focus on the email journey right? Where are they coming from? If they're getting the welcome sequence and they're checking out your products and they're leaving, then abandon cart emails, right? But please don't make your abandoned cart emails creepy. 
I feel unsafe in my inbox when I see, hey, we saw you looking with those eye emojis. Like, that's that's creepy. Um, that's stalking 101 almost. But there are ways to make your copy conversational and fun. And yes, there is an element of creepiness in abandoned car emails. You cannot escape that. But your your customers and subscribers are smart people. They know that you they, you have cookies installed. You they know that, you know, this is a marketing gimmick. All of that. But when you treat email like a communication tool rather than a marketing tool, having that conversation just becomes easier. So, I did it about and create emails for a brand, for a shoe brand, right? And instead of saying, we saw you looking or you left something in your cart, I was like, love shoes, us too. And it's a conversation. We saw you looking at a, some kind of a shoe. We know you liked it because you added it to your cart. And then us too, because hey, we're a shoe brand. Of course, we love shoes, right? Um, or you could say, hey, great taste. We love your taste or something along those lines where you are making them feel good rather than making them feel bad. And so just focus on the email experience. I'm going to sound like a broken record here because everything for me dials down to building and creating an incredible email experience. And I have forgotten your original question, as I said, I wouldn't matter. The original it. question, which you, we're starting to get into um, at times, yeah. but the original question was, what are some additional personalizations or personal things we can include besides, hey, first name? in emails to make that yeah. more personal, make that conversation. Right. The next thing you can look at is website behavior. Where are they on your website? Are they browsing a certain type of category? Again, if they're looking at something that's out of stock, send them um, a back in stock reminder, right? Even on your website, put a pop up as they're leaving. Like, hey, we, we know this is out of stock. Do you want to be reminded when it comes back in stock? Don't say sign up for a back in stock alert. Please don't say that. Ask them. It's, again, a conversation. Um, and then, similarly, whatever they're doing on your website, ask yourself, how can I help them? Right? And, and this is one of the single, that is, it is the one question I ask, how can I help? And if you start thinking in those terms, the answers will start coming to you. Um, and you'll be an email strategist in no time at all, to be honest, because you'll know exactly what needs to be done. You'll then just need an expert to show you. Just a quick reminder, Nextdoor recently launched a self-serve beta program for advertisers, and they're currently accepting new ones. Getting started is easy, and the ads UI is quite similar to Facebook or TikTok. They have some really great targeting, like home ownership and high f and audiences. And again, if you're a listener to this podcast, you're eligible for $300 for free and ad credit with no other spend necessary. Just go to nextdoor.com slash Matt and fill out the getting started form. If you're a fit, their team will schedule a call with you. And if you just mention my name or this podcast, e-commerce uncovered, you'll get that $300 automatically added to your account. One more time for that link, nextdoor.com slash Matt. How can I help? is so simple it's four words uh would you go as far as to say i'm a new founder my a few months old i want my i don't know too much about email my abandoned cart all my subject line is how can i help hey i'm and the the copy is hey i'm matt i'm the founder of so and so i'm new at this i'm just learning as i go uh 
I think you are on my site and checking out some stuff, let me know how I can help you. Like, is there anything I missed or any questions? Like, is that too simple? Is that too straightforward? Not at all. It is you being transparent. It is you saying, I want to learn. And so in the beginning, and this is collecting qualitative voice of customer data, right? This is you getting, being smart and getting ahead of problems before they become problems. And I call these proactive customer support emails simply because you are going out there and soliciting feedback instead of sending, like waiting to send NPS surveys, which really don't tell you all that much except a sentiment. Um, and so... Yes, please do that. If nothing else, text only, personalized email from you, do it, send it, and see what comes back. If it's done in bad taste, your subscribers and customers will tell you, and then you can course correct. I feel like we think that making mistakes is just the end of the world. It is not. We make mistakes, we learn. My big mistake with the Black Friday um, project that I did that barely broke even for the client was that I don't take on new Black Friday project unless I've already been working with a client, uh, with a brand, right? And because I need time to engage their list, I need time to understand the motivations and the pain points of their customers so that I can build out an email strategy accordingly. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I always say I'm not an agency. Um, I've worked in agencies. I do not... And I'm somebody who really likes to get to know the founder, who likes to get to know the customers, who likes to, it's a partnership for me, right? Instead of me just being a hired gun. And, and I love agencies solve a very specific problems, but so do I. So what I do is I am a strategic consultant more than a copywriter because copy is the last piece of the puzzle for me. So one of the things when brands reach out to me uh, to talk about potentially working together, I before even getting on a call with them, I tell them, hey, this is something I tell everybody, I do not provide end-to-end -end email marketing services, I am not an agency, and I'm strictly email strategy and copy only. So if you're looking for an agency, and I totally understand that some brands do need an agency, I'm just not the right fit for you. So I'm not the perfect fit, or I'm not the right fit for a lot of brands, but I'm the perfect fit for a few of them. You're not the right fit for a lot of brands, but you're the perfect fit for a few. I, I think more, myself included, agency owners, freelancers, consultants should try to take on that perspective. Uh, <laughs> it's just like brands. Hey, you like this shirt brand, but I like this shirt brand better because it fits my body type different than you. Like, that's all it is, but with services and people. Yeah. Uh, um, Thank you for sharing that. That was that was really great. So uh, you alluded to it, and I want to I want to dive into it a little bit deeper. Is why you focus on just strategy and copy and not full implementation and design and on this all ongoing stuff. Can you uh, just give a little brief uh, explanation about how you came about that? What the why that works for you? All that sort of good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so my big thing is always focusing on the email experience. And the way you create a personalized email experience is working on strategy, right? Mapping out the email journey, looking at all the touch points between the website and the email and, and the buyer's experience and all of that. And that takes time, right? And if I, and that's my big focus. 
But if I take on implementation, if I take on design, I'm essentially turning into an agency. And then that's taking my eye off the game or the ball. I'm, I'm mixing my metaphors, I think. But um, so for me, it is so important. Personally, I feel so passionately about email experiences and strategy that I, I know that I can do it. But again, then when you start expanding the services that you offer, where does it end? Because brands need multiple things. And yes, the ideal scenario is finding somebody who can do it all. But for if somebody can do it all, they will not do every single thing well, right? So I wanna focus on one thing and do it really, really well. And because I do things so drastically different than the rest of the industry, there is um, an element of trust that needs to be there between me and the founders for them to even try a lot of things that I'm recommending, right? Um, when I was just starting out, I pretty much got laughed out of a lot of rooms because of what I was recommending. Um, and that was okay because I didn't have the authority at the time to really dig in, but I did the work. I um, And then I started talking more and more about it. And then I started finding people who thought like me, brands that uh, valued their customers as much as I did. And I realized that brands that want to do emails the way I want to do them are out there. Um, and so I just kind of focused on that. Um, and yes, so I will, I make introductions. So if a brand is obviously they don't have an email marketing um, department, they're new, uh, most early stage brands don't, right? And so I will say, I will make introductions. I will partner with somebody if you want me to, if you want to be completely hands off, but they are going to be your point person. So if it's easier for you to pay me and then I can pay them, that's totally fine. We can come to you as a team, but it will be a partnership. They will not be subcontractors. And so what this does is it gives equity to everybody involved and everybody then takes pride in their work because everybody is getting a client out of it. And so I feel like, and also I'm a bad manager, I feel. So that's, this is a personal thing as well. Like I'm the kind of person who will tell somebody to do something by a certain date, but then I won't check back in with them because I assume they're adults, they have a deadline, they'll do it, right? But then when I go back in a week later, which is when I need to see the, that thing and it's not there, then, you know, I feel like an idiot for not checking in earlier, but that's just the way I am. And so I feel like it's just easier for me to take responsibility for myself and to give responsibility to the other party so that they can report directly to the brand themselves. Yes, that's your choice. It's your business. You run it how you want to. You focus on what you're good at, what you like, and that's that. And I like how you've learned and grown into that and are more and more confident in that. And like you said, you got laughed out of rooms in the beginning. Like that sucks. Like a lot of people would just like, all right, I give up. <laughs> like, that's it. Like maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'll just go work at an agency and like follow their lead. But um, yeah. uh, part of me wants to ask and share and make you share a little bit more about, you also work with a lot of SaaS uh, startups and brands and yes. these uh, other sort of businesses that are a little different than e-commerce, yeah. but what is it about SaaS that more e-commerce people could be doing? Like, what can we steal from SaaS and like borrow that is yeah. uniquely SaaS, but what can we do that in e-com and D2C land? 
content and recurring revenue two things that you can learn so much from SaaS companies, right? Because uh, a lot of SaaS companies, the first thing they do is they create a robust content marketing program before they even focus on the other things, right? They start a blog, they will start a podcast or something like that. All of that content can be repurposed into emails, and it is for them. Um, and then, the like, deep dive and see how are they getting, and, and a lot of SaaS are charging per month, right? So figure out how are they doing it? How are they keeping their churn down? Um, and again, the answer is usually focusing on email experience, right? So if somebody is being charged once a year, send them an email letting them know that a charge is coming up because they have forgotten about you. But if you're recharging them monthly, then maybe not for SaaS. Um, and of course, there's a certain threshold about it as well, right? Um, where if the if the price is less than $25, you don't need to, but if the price is a lot more, then maybe send them um, an email that says, hey, your charge is coming up, right? I know that Loom has started to send, and I feel like it's a little unnecessary on their part because it's just $10. Um, but they will send me an email a couple of days before every single month when they're about to charge my query that, hey, hey, payment is coming up. Tiny PNG charges $25 a year. I signed up for them maybe two years ago because I was updating my website. I needed to reduce the size of my of the images on my website. And I paid for the pro version, forgot all about it. But a year later, when they were about to charge me again, a week before they sent me a really nice email telling me when it will be charged, how much will be charged, and how to cancel if I want to. And I appreciated that email so much because after that one time, I hadn't used TinyPNG. But with that one email, they had a customer for life in me because I'm not going to do that thing where I will cancel and re, re, um, sign, up, sign up again when I need them. Because they were thoughtful about me, I'm being thoughtful about them. Like, it's $25. I need to resize images all the time. Maybe once or, even if it's just once or twice a year, it is worth it for me. And so all of, again, focus on email experience. Focus on putting your customer first. And it becomes easy. But if I tell them that the charge is coming, and I give them the place to unsubscribe and cancel, aren't I going to lose customers? You're going to lose them anyway. Can you imagine the headache of um, reimbursing that have, uh, that cards that have already been charged? Or if you don't do that, that having that conversation, telling a customer that if you're sorry, we do not reimburse, you can just cancel and we won't charge you again. Like, can you believe the audacity of that? Like... It happened to me. I was changing ESPs I was paying per year. I got charged before, and I didn't get an email saying that charge was coming up. I completely forgot when the recharge would happen. And I was in the middle of like moving or about to move, and I emailed them saying, hey, I just got charged $560, but I'm moving platforms, so I, wanna, I need to cancel my payment plan, and can you please reimburse me? And they're like, we don't have that policy. So you can cancel your account, but you'll have this until next year. And I'm like, I don't need it. I'm leaving it. It's like, but you know, there is that policy. And I have so much respect for customer service reps who have that, who need to have these conversations because I am a nice person, nicer person than most, I would say. And I know how these things work. So I don't get mad. Right. But I'm a marketer, so I know how it works, but other people are not and you're just asking for trouble, basically. So that it goes back to that proactive customer support and communication. Yeah. 
Get yeah. in front of the problem before it becomes a problem. A week, a week, a, a one-minute email. Hey, next week you get charged. It's $25. If you want to cancel, here it is. Let us know if we can help. Yeah, and for e for e-commerce, I feel it is so important because you're shipping out products. Imagine having to do all that work, shipping out products, and then being told, oh, no, they're sending it back because they want a cancellation. Like, that's hassle, hassle, hassle on both parties' ends. So keep it, keep it customer friendly, keep it personal, keep it smooth, proactive uh, communication. Um, yep. Always will save your, your whole experience. And that goes, again, back to brand equity. That will, get, will just get yep. chipped away at if you don't do these things and you try to be short-term and greedy, uh, potentially. So you, you haven't talked about it too much and I'm not expecting to have all the answers. But I want to take the last, you know, 10 or so minutes here, five or 10 minutes as we land the plane uh, to talk about iOS 15. Like, simply, simply put, I want I want an unbiased, uh, just quick explanation of what it actually did or it is doing. And then we can kind of talk about the other stuff yeah. after. Okay. All right. So it's going to sound like a hot take, but iOS 15 is decimating smaller brands and nobody seems to be talking about it right and the reason i know that it's decimating smaller brands is because i work with smaller brands a lot of my clients are women and bipoc owned brands which means they are traditionally bootstrapped they don't get the funding that other brands do and simply because it the world is the way it is right they don't have deeper pockets i have a client who is dipping into their emergency fund. I have a client who has run out of money. I have clients who have been unable to pay me. And the only reason I have been able to weather this on their behalf is because half of my business is in the SaaS industry. But not everybody is that lucky, right? Not every contractor has different baskets to put their eggs in. I am lucky and I am privileged and I acknowledge that every single day. And I'm very, very grateful for it because it allows me to support e-commerce founders and e-commerce brands. But at the same time, bootstrap founders are also very, very conscientious. The guilt is killing them that they are unable to pay their contractors. They are upfront about it. And surprisingly, they're not ghosting. They're very, very upfront about all the problems that they're facing. And this is where being a strategic partner and asking those hard questions about what your profit margin is going to be if you offer this amount of a discount and all of that comes into handy because you're having these conversations with them before. And so when they run into trouble, it's not like they're starting a brand new conversation. It is them calling back on a conversation that we've already had once, right? And so iOS 15 is impacting smaller brands negatively there is no denying that and i have such a huge issue with all the rosy scenarios everybody's painting out there for lack of a better um, word it's every single person talking about solutions is really just pushing their solution um people are saying um what was that something first data completely blanking out on, on what's it called, all of that. But that takes time and nobody is talking about how to implement it. Smaller brands don't have the time. They are struggling. They are losing money. They are, oh my God, I'm, I'm just getting worked up now. Yeah. But it's, 
it's hard for them. And when you are backed against the corner, when money is out, when you need to pay your people, your brain stops working. You don't have the time. And at that point, email is not the solution because building out an email program takes time. Yes, it can make you money, right? But it takes time to build it out. It's not a magic bullet. And so when a brand comes to me saying, we're struggling, we need to start making money on autopilot and email is the thing. And I'm like, yes, but you don't have the time or the resources to invest in it anymore. You need to think about other stuff. And so one of the things I say at this point is focus on your website, focus on improving the buying experience, the UX, all of that, focus on getting traffic to your site. Um, but yeah, sorry, uh, completely got, went off on a tangent there. But iOS 15 is um, messing up smaller brands. And I dislike how the marketing world is saying iOS 15 is an opportunity. It's not, you know, that big a problem. It is. For smaller brands, it is. They don't have the safety net to weather this. So yeah. That's okay. Uh, I'll give you a second. Uh I clearly it's something you're passionate about and you care about your partners and your clients and it's affecting you. You can't get your paychecks and you said you're lucky and you're grateful yeah. that you still get, you have your other clients too, but um, I've been in similar situations and it's hard not to uh, empathize so deeply with them when you're in the trenches with them every day. Um, so really quickly, like what is it about IS 15? Like what's the actual, what change, what, is happening like on the behind the scenes like it, something about open rates and tracking like give me the quick skinny on that just to make sure that we're all on the all same right page. so two to three things seem to be happening with my clients right open rates are not reliable anymore they cannot base their emails on open rates right so resends are now an issue um secondly the cost of facebook ads has gone up Right. And Instagram has stopped being effective. Their audience has dwindled. Their reach has dwindled. And so they're struggling. Right. Smaller brands. Facebook was a winner. Facebook ads were a winner for them uh, at a time. Right. And now it's not working. Instagram is not working. Where do you go from there? Right. Do you I mean, TikTok is an option, but who, very few people know TikTok that well in this industry, I feel. And it's just another it's an experiment at this point. Right. So it's affecting them, not just in email, in ad expenses and in reach. So yeah, that's, that's been my experience with my clients at least. Got it. Yep. It's, it's squeezing the lemon. The lemon's been already squeezed enough. There's not much lemon oh juice coming goodness. out. Uh, like you said, Instagram organic reach is down. And that's why you mentioned earlier, repurpose those posts in email. Don't yeah. save yourself that 30 minutes. Reuse that content. Uh, from that post to the email, one to five percent maybe of people like are getting see your organic posts nowadays. Like ten to thirty to forty percent see your emails. You're, there's there's probably you're probably missing quite a few people. So I just want to call that out that you're probably not blasting them and annoying them and bothering them. And if you are, they'll click unsubscribe, they'll reply and tell you, or they'll unfollow you. Yeah. And that's that. Yeah, One out of a hundred will maybe do that. So just wanted to bring that back. Okay. This has been awesome. The time flew by. But um, I want to give you the floor for 2022. <laughs> it's going to be coming after... we're enter That'll be end of year two, entering year three of 
a global pandemic, supply chain issues, more tech and privacy, and social economic uproar and happenings <laughs> yeah. and just so much stuff going on. Is there anything that you would start recommending to your clients, to your partners you wanted to share about the state of email, so to speak, heading into next year? Yeah. No, we've talked about email a lot, right? But one of the things I'm recommending to my clients is to focus on increasing their average order value. So if some one of something costs $24, bundle it up. Three of them will cost maybe 70 or And then if you want to run a sale, run a sale on your bundles. That way you're moving product, you're making money. And then also if you have a product that ends and needs to be reordered, subscribe and save, right? So that you have some kind of a recurring revenue and also some sort of a retention. Um, and also just focus on we brands pay so much attention to getting that first purchase, but then also start focusing on the second and third and fourth and fifth purchase and create a VIP segment and then sit down and strategize about how you are going to get people to buy from you again and how are you going to treat your loyal customers. I saw a tweet recently, I forgetting by who, but they it was by a brand founder and their one of their customers had bought every single item. Yeah, it was by them. Matt right? from Shelly Cove, maybe? Um, yeah, yes, someone, yeah. Maybe, yes. Oh my God, I'm in love with this Twitter account, yeah. by the way. Like, I was just, when I saw that tweet, I clicked through to his profile and I just kept scrolling down for days. Um, and it's it was such a good feeling for me to know that when you focus on doing things right, this is what happens. And so, just do that. Please focus on building up. It's easier to get people to buy from you, again, if you provide the right experience to them, than convincing somebody who, might, who doesn't know you, who is also eyeing your competitors to buy from you for the first time. So please just focus in 2022, focus on building out your repeat customer email program, plan, strategy, whatever. Amazing. Retention, recurring revenue, increase that AOV. And last point, I have to reiterate, make the bundle and sale on the bundle. Don't just discount yeah. the individual product that brings the AOV down, that hurts your, that may impact, not necessarily hurt, it may impact that brand uh, equity of, oh, they're just a discount brand. So absolutely loved all those last points. Uh, Summer, where do you want to point people to if they want to learn more about you, your services, follow all your hot takes on Twitter, uh, your your weekly newsletter, anything like that? Now's your time to sh show yeah. off and share it. So I pick an email fight every Wednesday on emailsdoneright.com. Go sign up every Wednesday. You will get an email from me, which is usually challenging some kind of a status quo in the email industry, right? Um, if you want to know more about me, go to summerwest.com slash about just the homepage and the about page is all you need to know the rest is out of date um and i'm too busy to update my website which is you know not a good look but it is that's what how things stand right now and twitter is my water cooler which is pretty much where i go and do brain dumps at all hours of the day <laughs> brain dumps water cooler email fights summer thanks so much for your time really appreciate it and really want to focus myself more on customer experience so 
in all things I do in ads and even my clients. So really appreciate that. Everyone else, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode.